Welcome to the podcast of Local Community Church. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to find out more, head over to localcommunity.church. Um, I've asked Paul to keep playing through the whole service today, by the way, in case you're either wondering why or falling asleep and enjoying the background music. Um, part of that is we're going to give a message in a moment about power evangelism, um, which is literally how do we bring the presence and the power of God into the way we reach people. And this is a really important message for us, but then we're going to put it into practice um, here this morning. And one of the things I know is that, um, in fact, you read it in the Bible at one point, um, where Saul said to David, hey, can you come and play worship because it creates peace in this place. And I think it's really important for this morning. And I want to create an atmosphere of faith here this morning of what I think God's going to do in us and through us and teach us. And so um, I've had the privilege of Paul doing this for over 10 years together at various times where we have ministry. And um, for me, it creates a sense of the presence of God here. And um, this is not the teaching today, but there is a prophetic playing that happens through music and anointing. I just kind of want that to rest in this place. And before we get to that, um, just a reminder that um, this month we've got, sorry, yeah, October, our outreach as a church is going to be Groundswell serving there. Um, we still have a couple more places. If you haven't had a chance to watch the little video in the newsletter, that would be probably helpful. But I need to know today if you can help out with that. Just ask them for a couple of hours next Saturday. Um, that's going to be amazing. Likewise, our India mission trip applications closed today. So um, either grab Kyle or I if you want to get involved in that. That'd be great. I want to tell you um, some stories, a bit of a run through history of things of God that I have seen through my life. And some of these, um, you might have heard the stories before, but there's a bit of a culmination to this story. And uh, I want to share these stories because these are literally miracles. These are God's power that I can't explain. Um, I just couldn't see Joel's face. I'd like to see Joel. Um, and yet they're undeniable. And so the first of these actually happened when I was only about 14 or 15. And I was on a, um, of all things, a scripture union camp for kids. And some of the leaders were uh, just up late night praying. And one of the kids came out and had been sort of having some dreams or something. Anyway, she got prayed for. And all of a sudden, she's walked back into her dorm of kids. And out of her mouth... She, without even knowing or understanding, starts speaking in tongues in a different language. And in doing so, wakes up the other kids that are in the room who start doing the same thing and kind of go, what the heck's going on? And seeing visions or seeing angels. And so the kids come out and kind of start describing what's going on. And the leaders were, a few of the leaders were still there. And... What I remember as a 14 or 15 year old is the most anointed presence of God moment that I've almost ever experienced in some ways. And part of me as an adult looks back on that and go, oh, was that real? Did they make that stuff up? Did they just see those things? But when I actually stop and think about the moment, I remember that 
these were kids that didn't even know what was going on. And we had to look up scripture to try and explain to them what was happening. This is the presence of God coming upon you. Sometimes when that happens, we read in scripture that people speak out a spiritual language and that's what you're experiencing and that's really cool. And within a year of that, as a 14 or 15 year old, that was a gift that God gave me, speaking in a spiritual language. And pretty much for my whole life, now that's become a way that I pray and have a connection to God. Now I can't explain all of that to you. I can't put logic around all of that. But what I can tell you is that in some of my most dire moments when I don't know how to put words on things, that gift has been incredible for me to connect spirit to spirit with God. And that's kind of as a teenager. Let me fast forward because Kyle and I then started getting to go to all sorts of mission trips and go overseas and things. And one of those trips, um, there was a lady who was crippled. She couldn't move on half of her body and she was brought out to be prayed for. And we laid hands on her and we prayed and there was a group of us and we prayed and we kept praying. And eventually this lady who had not moved one side of her body, her arm starts moving. And only just her arm, but it started moving and it hadn't. And her kids were pretty overwhelmed by that. On the very next morning, I went and visited her. This is in Vanuatu. That lady was standing up doing the dishes. She was healed. The very Sunday that followed, her son came to church and gave his life back to the Lord because he'd seen the power of God demonstrated in his mother's life. We did a trip to the Philippines and there was a lady who had been hounded by what we realized was a demon her whole life. She'd been um, adopted and her parents have disbanded her and there was a spirit of abandonment that lived within her. And it made her feel like she was um, like no identity, no, no kind of self-esteem. And so we were asked to go and pray for this lady and we're praying. We didn't really know what was going on at the time, but what I can tell you is we prayed and we said, Lord Jesus, what's going on? We want to pray. Every time we started speaking the name Jesus, this lady squealed like I'd never heard before. And what we realized, it was a demon inside of her, a real thing. Now, we're kind of praying and we're praying and then eventually it's like we figured what was going on. And so we cast that demon out in the name of Jesus and that demon left to the point I experienced moment of peace like I've never experienced before. There was a flame that had been shaking this whole time while she was squealing and waving. All of a sudden it just stilled and it was incredible. The next day we saw that lady and she was literally a very different peaceful person who had been like overwhelmed with life and suddenly she was there making breakfast, smiling, peaceful, restful because the power of God came upon her and changed her life. We then do a trip to India and um, we've had a chance to preach in front of a church of 400, 500 people. And at the end they said, hey, can you pray for people for healing? And in India, I don't like it, but what happens is they all run up and they queue up and you start praying. As I'm praying, um, in fact, cool story is that we had a guy who had just given his life to the Lord the day before. And there were so many people who said, you've got to start praying for people. And it's like, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, well, I don't have time to teach you. Just ask them what's going on and ask Jesus to fix it. First prayer, dear God, are you there? Um, 20 minutes later, and in the name of Jesus, I'm praying that this person will be healed. But anyways, this is all going on, and there's people, um, there's this one lady that keeps tagging on my shirt, pray for me, pray for me, and her daughter said, pray for me, pray for my, my mother. And I'm, and I'm like, can you just get in the queue? Anyway, eventually, <laughs> prayed for this lady, and I looked at her, and her eyes are completely white. She's blind. And in a really instant moment of a prayer, just praying, Lord Jesus, will you... Um, 
allow this lady to see again. She opens her eyes, they're clear, she starts crying, and they go. I never get to see them, but I ask her daughter, can she see? Yes, 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 and they went. And there were so many people, we never got to saw this, this lady again, but I know she got her, her, her sight back. We've been on trips where people have not been able to hear. We've prayed, we've put our fingers in their ears, pulled it out, they can hear, and we can have conversation with these people. A couple of years ago, we were on a trip, and Jared and I were praying. Is Jared around somewhere? Just stepped out, that's right. And a lady came in, she couldn't move her leg. Her leg was all crippled. I had this attitude of, I want to go and get dinner. I don't really feel like praying for you right now. It's the end of the night. And this, her um, daughter was there as well and said, no, please pray for my, my mum before you go. And so I've got the attitude of, I don't really want to do that, but I'll do it anyway. And grab this lady's hand and I start praying. And as I'm praying, it lifts, sorry, I grab her foot. It lifts off my hand and a crooked leg straightens out like this and lifts up above an angle I can't even lift my leg at now. And I'm like, I said out loud, oh my God. Like, <laughs> literally, I was, I was so surprised. And this lady stood up, bent up and down, walked out of the room. And someone else saw that, a guy, and he said, oh, can you pray for me? So he comes up and he's got this skin rash all over him. He's been scratching nonstop for three months. We put our hands on him, prayed for him, and in an instant, he stopped scratching and he came down and had dinner with us. Last year, we were in India and there was an old man that we got asked to pray for. I had the same bad attitude. It was the end of the trip. I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to go. But we got asked to go and pray for this guy. And we went in and he was over 80 years old. And the doctor had said to him, there was nothing he could do. He was on his deathbed. And this man had not been able to speak a word because of what was on him for about three months. We start praying and he starts speaking. And his daughter's there and we say, what, what's he saying? And over and over again, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. As he starts crying, God healed him in the latter days of his life. On that same trip, we met someone who um, Ken had prayed for a year before. He couldn't, I think, couldn't walk. And we go back and there he is still walking. And I could keep going. Story after story after story of the power of God. And I'm partly saying these stories to build faith in the room. God is real. He is alive. We have the power and authority to do the things that Jesus did. And I think it's part of how we're meant to reach out to this world. What saddened me as I was preparing this message and thinking of stories, very few of them happen here in Perth. And that's part of what's staring in me of, I think it's because we're a little comfortable. Not, I'm not saying us, I'm just saying West, the Western world. I'm not saying we don't have challenges by any means, but we can fix a lot of our problems and we don't necessarily have a hunger to see God move and so we go to other places. And I've just decided the rest of my life I'm not okay with that. I mean, what's the point of being a follower of Jesus if we don't live according to the way he lived? What's the point? What's the point of calling myself a Christian if I don't pattern my life after Jesus, whose life was proclaim the gospel, heal the sick? preach the kingdom, cast out demons. That's the person I follow. That's the person I say I'm meant to live like. So I'm kind of sick of not doing that here anymore. And so that's the message of power evangelism that we're talking about today. We've been talking about inside-outside messages. Now, on the whole, dare I say it, 
it hasn't worked because our outside message was about praying for salvation for people and believing. And as far as I'm aware, not one person in our church has got saved this year. And I'm not okay about speaking words after words after words for the sake of words. That's not who I am. That's not the church I want to lead. I don't think it's the church God has called us to be. We're a church that is meant to be active, not passive. We are a church of participants, not spectators. And we live that out by the inside message. Yeah, God is here to help you, to encourage you, to, to, to stretch you, to comfort you. That's the inside message. But it's not for just this individual journey. It's to be on mission, and we are on mission. And the mission is simple, love other people. And I reckon the two ways we do it is with that servant heart message that Kylie preached about two weeks ago, and it's about the power message that I'm talking about this morning. That's how we do it. That's how we love other people. Now, over this year, we've looked at how do we present our story, evangelism through words. And we've looked at how do we love people practically, evangelism through serving them. And today we're looking at how do we pray for them? How do we bring in the manifest presence of God that they may have his spirit demonstrated to them? That's what we're talking about today. And not any one of those things is the only thing or the right thing or the wrong thing. It could be all of them or one of them or something. But it's a combination of these things which is taking this message of Jesus Christ to the world, to the place that God has put you, to your family, to your workplace, to our community. And so I want to do a real quick journey through Scripture, and then we're actually going to practice this stuff. There's no point talking about it. Let's actually do it, right? Good. Thank you. Dan wants to do that. So does Millie. Good. So turn with me in your Bible. If you don't have one, you can put your hand up, and someone will give you a Bible if you need one. I got a new Bible for my birthday. Handmade with the initials DG, so you can't take it. <laughs> DG. All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Is this all right? I've gone from printed Bible to electronic Bible and now back to printed Bible. Very retro. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is the announcement of Jesus' ministry. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading out of Isaiah. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The same Spirit of the Lord that came upon Jesus in that moment is the same Spirit of the Lord that lives inside you and I. And the Spirit of the Lord within Jesus compelled him to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, and to pray for the sick, to demonstrate the gospel. And that is the same Spirit of God that is within us. Now let's kind of turn to Matthew chapter 4 and see some of how that happened. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. I'm going to just speed up a bit here so we've got some time. And you're here, and this is Jesus after he's said that. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. 
and great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Notice here it says, he went into the synagogues, he proclaimed the gospel, so he's speaking it out, he's speaking out kingdom, and then he demonstrated the gospel. All who were sick were healed. That's Jesus. Now let's turn to John chapter 14, verse 12. We're doing a, a quick little quick little Bible study here. John 14, verse 12. So we've got Jesus. Jesus has been filled with the Spirit of the Lord. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's demonstrating the gospel. And then he says in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So Jesus has set the example and then he starts saying, no, you're going to do that. And you're going to do more than I've done. Now, sometimes I think logically, how can we do more? He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He healed all the sick. He walked on water. He turned five loaves and fishes into feeding fire. How do we do more than that? But I realize that that's because we're our community of people. The same spirit of God that lived in one person then and could influence people for three years, one person, spirit of God, is now in probably, there's 80 people in the room today, that same spirit of God is in 80 of us. That's 80 times what Jesus did just right here if we live like Jesus. Our church is about 250 people. That's 250 times what the spirit of God did in Jesus. He had three years. We've probably got 80 years. I don't know. Like, we can do more because we are a community of followers of Jesus, but we've got to live like Jesus said. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This you will know well. One of the last things Jesus said to us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you will receive power. I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within you and you'll be my witnesses. We'll be our witnesses because we're living out of the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are not living in a way that is demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit, are you being a witness of Jesus Christ? I'm not sure, because this is how we're meant to be a witness. You don't need to turn here, but the final scripture, and right through the New Testament, is example after example of how the early Christians put that into action. And what I love, one of the things Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Living like Jesus as we're called to live is a radical life. And if your Christian life is boring or you're just caught up in the things of the world and you're not seeing the power of God at work in your life, in the life of others, then I don't think we're living that Christian life. Are we living like Jesus? And as I was praying into before, we are fighting, like there is a fight against our own society that we get addicted to the values and the things that they think are important. And the, and the devil would love nothing more than for us to get caught up in that kind of stuff as opposed to living like Jesus. Wealth, power, status, materialism, all these things, we're getting sucked into it. That's a boring life, not a, like living by the world's way, not the radical life, living like Jesus. And to live like Jesus is to not get caught up in those things. It's to not to treat and respond to people in the way that they treat us. It's about an attitude of loving everybody. 
It's about doing what Jesus said and doing what Jesus did. And he would proclaim the gospel message. He would speak it out and then he would demonstrate that over and over and over again. And we see the same pattern in Peter and in Paul and the disciples. Speak the kingdom of God. Demonstrate the kingdom of God. Healing the sick. Casting out demons. Raising the dead. Proving the existence of heaven here on earth. So how, how, how do we do that? What, what does that look like? Now, one of the things I felt God laid on our heart when we planted our church is we don't just want to read the stories that are in Acts and the New Testament. We want to have our own stories to tell. Now, I love Sue and Dennis coming up and just sharing, you know what, we decided there's this woman who was doing it tough in her life and so we loved her. And think about the knock-on effect. That woman experienced the love of Christ right then. Sue and Dennis just proclaimed, but God did something in us as we did that. And Dennis talks about we interacted with these businesses and they teared up and heard what was going on and suddenly got this spirit of generosity upon them and realized that it was the church. Just through one simple act, a few thousand, five thousand dollars, a handful of people, and all of a sudden Jesus has been brought into the situation of many people. That's a story that's not in Acts, but it's in the story of the local community church. I want to hear more of those stories, right? I want the story of I went to work this week, someone was sick, I prayed for them, they got healed. That, that's our story. That's, that's the flow on of Acts being lived out here. We are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He is in us. And it's through his anointing, the gifts that he's given us, and his leading that we do this. We actually don't have anything to worry about. He, God, God is in us. He's anointed you. We are literally loving people by bringing the power of God into their life. Now, for some of us, those power encounters are often a little bit hard to get our head around because we can't quite explain it. And we want to kind of try and put logic around it or prove it or, or something. And it's, you know, makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Or we kind of have this whole identity thing of, well, what if I do pray for that person and nothing happens? And don't get me wrong, for all the stories I shared with you about healing that took place, I got plenty of stories of healing that haven't took place. A friend of our family, my age, passed away this week, suffering with pancreatic cancer for the last six years. Left behind a wife and two kids. Prayed for him for years and get healed. My own niece, seven years old, passed away of cancer. I don't understand why. I have a degenerative back disease in my spine that I've been prayed for over and over again, and I have faith that God would believe it and would, would heal it, and yet I still have it. But what I can tell you as I share those stories for every story of prayer, of healing that has not happened, it does not shake my faith. It does not stop me believing that Jesus is king, that he is sovereign, that he knows what is best, that he brings healing power how and when he chooses. And I am not going to stop praying for people and believing for the manifest power of God to come into their lives just because of the circumstances around me. Thank you. <laughs> And the thing is, is that because we have this doubt and this fear and this misunderstanding, it puts us out of our comfort zone. But I want to say to you today, there is a really interesting place to live with your comfort zone. You shouldn't live as a follower of Jesus in your comfort zone. That's not a good place to live. But I'm not asking you to be so far out of your comfort zone that you're paralyzed and don't do anything. There's this little sweet spot right in between that, which is the sweet spot of Jesus. Comfort zone, you don't need him. Out of your comfort zone, you're going to freak out. But right there, he's calling you to do something you couldn't otherwise do without him. And that's the place we've got to live. That's the edge we've got to find. It's the sweet spot. It's the best spot. Let me tell you, you have been qualified 
you have been authorized. You are anointed. This is the calling upon your life. There's not a template to follow, but a mission to complete. And our mission is living like Jesus. And why? Why all of this? Well, for the glory of God. That's why. Bringing heaven here to earth to glorify God, to point people towards Jesus, for them to experience his manifest power, the power that overcame death, that resurrected, that gave us our salvation, that gives us eternal life, a forever relationship with our creator. That's why. Thanks for listening to our message today. We hope that it's encouraged and inspired you in your faith journey. To find out more, head over to localcommunity.church.